0: There's a, there's a slowness that we need to revive, that things take mm. time to be understood. And I think that in our rush to be modern and contemporary and fast and, you know, reduce the sentences and get better with Twitter and start using emojis and hyphenate and reduce everything <laughs> to, you know, what's what's happened is that we've lost the beauty of handwritten notes and the slowness of, of how you can express that emotion. So slowness is, I believe, something that will become a really precious commodity in terms of a value that needs to be revived.
1: Hi, folks. I'm Sadia Tariq, and you're listening to Dhani, the podcast. On this show, I speak to medical practitioners, poets, authors, mindful experts, therapists, artists corporate world influencers, fashion designers, and humanists from all over the world, where they share their journey of well-being, personal growth, learnings and struggles, and knowledge seeking. So here we are back again with Zain Mustafa, who is the president and founding member of the Society for the Protection of Animal Rights, which came into existence in July 2017. Zen by profession, is a Parsons School of Design and Columbia University-educated architect, international award-winning interior designer and educator. In this podcast, Zen very sensitively draws our attention towards the voiceless animals and monuments and how these two in conjunction and through his profession, he's learned through these two mediums how to develop the art of listening develop the muscle of empathy and surrender and we also talk about the negatives and the positives of social media and how it equips us and robs us this is really a podcast uh, of interest of depth um and some funny moments and if you like this podcast feel free to share it with your friends and families thank you for listening zen it's lovely to have you back on dhani thank you so much for your time
0: assalamu alaikum sadia so good to be back here thank you so much for inviting me back this is such an honor
1: then i um again i've been following your um, social media handles and your activities and even during this time of um a lockdown um you have been um traveling and exploring as much as you can obviously keeping in mind the situation uh, but um and i believe you just went very recently to visit an, uh, an elephant in in Islamabad who's who's being shipped off.
0: Yes, there
1: is. I can see. I can. I mean, one can tell that you have you. There is a love for um, travel. There's a love for uh, exploration, and obviously, there's a love for imparting that knowledge as well. Since you have so many groups that you take during your tours, I also know that travel exploration is sort of inextricably weaved in with the development of some very positive emotions, like gratitude and um, creativity, um, intuition, empathy. And what has your personal experience been like if you felt that you have developed more the muscle of empathy more or the muscle of gratitude more during all this time that you have been exploring and traveling?
0: Thank you, Sadia. Uh, you have, uh, you've really encapsulated a lot of what's been going on in my head uh, in the last two, three months since we've all gone into lockdown thanks to COVID. But the uh, overspill has been uh, positive uh, in terms of uh, being better connected and more aware of the value of gratitude, not racing through it, uh, not rushing by, and actually being able to um, embody the empathy at a much deeper level. Things that I may not have normally been as frontal lobe about before have now become very much a part of the consciousness. And, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the exploration and, uh, you know, how my visit to Carvin. In Islamabad, could even broadly be connected to my tours, which have slowed down. I was recently in Makli to record a virtual tour uh, without a whole group of people. There was just a few of us. But, you know, I think that as I think about the term empathy and how it's often misused, especially in the world of social media, where it's very Mm -hmm. very lightly thrown about and uh, without much due respect, for me, it really has been um, and thank you so much for following the work um, all this time it's been really about redefining the term voiceless so when we look at the shared histories of the architectural heritage which you know I breathe on those are also a form of the voiceless you know we have lost so much history to our colonial past mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to westernization and industrialization and just the control of uh, the asian continent like they did with the african continent of uh, modernity and uh, more more contemporary foreign policies that the voiceless actually has gone from being just the Bezaban janwar like Kavan and islamabad to the buildings who have a story to tell they have a narrative And last night, as I was on the Cube Editor live chats, which are, as you know, now happening twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays at 10 p.m. Karachi time. Every Monday, I have a series that's a Jugalbandi series with my ex-history professor from Parsons, Gene Gardner. And we were just talking about, you know, what is uh, really the term primitive about? And so here, I'm I'm going to switch back and forth between the buildings and the elephant, uh, which is this wonderful, apparently dichotomous context you've created, but it's not really. They're much closer than one would imagine. Because both get condescended upon, both get marginalized, both get forgotten, and both get objectified. And we know what a problem uh, civilization has with objectification whether it's objectification of women or it's objectification of archonic history or buildings or we have a real problem with dehumanizing things that uh, are sentient beings and it may be a far stretch for me to say that an ancient architectural heritage site is a sentient being fine it's not moving around and it doesn't feel the heat but it certainly has memory and it has a body and it's connected to the earth and its alignment from the stars to the earth, is still there as much as is yours, mine, our listeners to this podcast, and Kavan the Elephant. And it was mm-hmm. amazing that when I went to meet him, I mean, there's so many people who've been battling for his release, for him to have a reprieve from this horrible, horrible life of subjugation and servitude to human beings Need for entertainment and need for humans' ego to be pandered to, and he God has goodness. suffered for for thirty five years for no oh. crime committed, and uh, you know, and and every time he quote unquote misbehaves, they blame it on him. Nobody looks at the root of the cause mm. and what's what's triggering his uh, reaction. He is a sentient being. He feels pain, heat, love, sorrow, just like us and when i went to see him it's incredible sadia just magical how there was a group of people who were sort of laymen re- related to the wildlife management friends because the zoo is closed these days so i went in with a special permission to see him through the chairman and then there was the new management boys with me who were wonderful so warm and gentle and then there was myself so there was two sets of familiar faces and the minute he saw me i could see his Attention change. He's locked his eyes on me. His ears became aware. And you can see that there's two things happening. He is assessing whether I'm going to be a mean, cruel, hurtful human. Or if I'm going to be somebody he can play with. And let Mm. his guard down. And Mm. when I came around the corner to the broken fence so I could see him better and be a little bit closer. He played. You've seen the videos of him playing. He was throwing water at me. He was taking some bananas, eating some throwing some back at me, so making me do the work to pick up the Mm -hmm. banana off the floor and (laughs) feed it back. And I could see him sort of like giggling through the process. So what does one learn? One learns empathy from a being who has suffered more than I can imagine. And at that point in time, if he can feel your connection to the earth and he can hear your soul speaking to him, he retrusts. He immediately retrusted me. He knew I wasn't going to hurt him. And in the same vein, in those moments, much as though I was warned, people said, be careful, he doesn't hurt you because he has aggressive tendencies. But I knew when I looked at him, he's not going to hurt me because he can differentiate. He has the same ancient wisdom that we have forgotten about. He has the empathy. So. Wow. Yes. It's, it's It was such a profound, hair-raising, moving experience. And yesterday I was telling Jean that when I go to these ancient heritage sites, I feel like the primitive, even though they are considered to be old and irrelevant and primitive and ancient and a technology that isn't, isn't nice enough or isn't fancy enough to create these shiny glass towers that are massive greenhouses. And it, they use technology that didn't allow them to build these toxic urban environments that we live in called cities. Um, And you think that, you know, every time I go there, Sadia, I feel so humbled and so small and so irrelevant in front of these monuments of history, of poetry, of uh, innovation in construction technology, of incredible ornamentation and beauty that was celebrated all the Mm -hmm. way from the homes of the Kalash down to the ancient Thari stone um, uh, temples of the Jains. The shrines in Multan, the shrines of Hyderabad, the Talpur tombs, the Bahawalpur buildings, Lahore Fort, Takht I mean, you name it. You go in front of any of these buildings. And although they, from daro 5,000 years ago to now, you would think that a lot of Western civilizations terminology would claim that these are all primitive. But they're not primitive. They are far more superior than anything that we could offer them. And I realized that when I get there, the same sense of non-primitiveness was when I communicated with Gavin or the chimpanzee at Karachi Zoo or Rachel the Tigress at the zoo or the bears that we uh, find from the dancing uh, mafia and send them to the sanctuary. These These entities are anything but primitive. And the empathy that they automatically draw from you is something not to be laughed at. It is so heavy and so profound. And then you get back onto social media as we all do and people are so trite and they go through everything on just its surface value. It's just—it's all about the optics. If it looks dramatic and it looks gorgeous and you look at the villages and the mountains in Pakistan, everybody wants an, a, a, a sort of postcard perfect picture of the mountains. They don't think about... Uh, whether their presence there is going to bring germs of the COVID virus into that village that doesn't have uh, the medical facilities. They may be asymptomatic as tourists and they go there and they come away. And it's this constant looking at only the benefit that one can get. I mean, you want those photos Mm -hmm. of the mountains. I understand that they're magical. But for the sake of that one Instagram post, or a little bit of breather from Karachi or Lahore, you're okay to jeopardize all of these people's lives. Where is the empathy? And I think Mm. that that, so for me, this time of year, as you know, every year I'm in Shandur, I'm in Chitral, I'm at the Kalash for for years. And it's been so hard to hold back. But you do that, it's the same as wearing a mask, right? You wear the mask for the other. You don't necessarily wear it for your own benefit. And those that don't mm. wear masks, one has to sort of think, you know, how selfish can you be? You know, the world is falling apart. Climate change has come about because of selfishness and greed and capitalist hunger for power. And yet, even as individuals, we continue to perpetuate it. So that's I, I think it's such a beautiful way for you to have connected uh, my my like really like soulmates in the ancient heritage buildings where they, lis- they listen to me. I talk to them. They talk to me. And it's exactly the same kind of communication I had with the elephant Carbon was the way he trusted me, Sadia was just unbelievable. I thought he would have been much more cautious, but he wasn't mm.
1: just wow wow i'm I'm wowed for now, <laughs> but then you 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 began when you started you began talking about how the word is thrown about how the sentiment how this muscle is sort of thrown about and it's primarily voiceless so so correct me if i'm wrong in understanding so it is the power of the voiceless but the magnanimity of the voiceless that draws that out from you right and you when you're in the presence you feel humble and you feel overwhelmed and you feel sort of sort of small Because they are so powerful and they're so majestic, even without having a voice.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, you you phrased it so elegantly. So I think that it's a bit like having to, it's like an acquired taste, Sadhya. You know, it's taken me years Mm. to get to this point. It's not like I woke up being this, as they call it, woke being. It's taken me lots of years uh, of just gradually, gradually chipping away my um, urban facade, my capitalist upbringing, my Western education training, you know, all that Pavlovian training that are, uh, as we speak in English right now, our Western education indoctrinates in us. It takes time to chip away on it because you believe, you are trained to believe that this is the only way of thought which is appropriate. and This is the only way we can progress. And this is the only way forward. And this is the only way to be civilized. And the more time I spent and I continue to spend with the voiceless buildings and the voiceless animals, the more I realize how irrelevant the term civilization is as coined by the Western Hemisphere and how hollow our educations have been and how much history we've lost, how much empathy we've not been taught about, how much we need to learn from the animals about who we are and how the two of us are connected to the same ecosystem. So, you know, Iskilia, you need to be open. You need to have your ears uh, trained a certain way to accept and receive this kind of sound, this kind of knowledge, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's not something you can Mm -hmm. wake up one fine day and expect that you suddenly become this uh, guru, uh, you know, of understanding the voiceless and listening to buildings and, you know, I sound a little bit crazy sometimes to some people, but when we arrive at most of these heritage sites, I tell everyone, just be quiet, listen to it. It'll, it will speak yeah. to you if, you, if yeah. you allow it the space, you know. We carry so much noise of the clutter of, of schedules and things to do and people to meet. And, you know, our modern lives are very noisy and very cluttered and really rigid. So you kind of have to surrender all of that laid by the side whether it was me surrendering my life to Kaavan and saying, here I am. And I'm here with all good intentions and with a clear soul. And I want to communicate with you. So help me. And he did. I apply the same equation to the buildings that helped me learn more. I am, I know nothing. You have the information. It's ancient wisdom, like my grand grandparents. So is it to a, you know, like, it's a slow and steady. It takes time.
1: You know, I was about to ask you what the prerequisite for this is. And you just answered because one, it, is, it doesn't happen overnight. Two, there is Ji. a form of surrender. There is a for which you have to develop that that ear to listen. And it yeah. could be, uh, and then develop that, that that power of non-biased, non-judgmental listening which then feeds into so many emotions, and it could be
0: creativity, it could be intuition, it could be
1: uh, empathy.
0: You know, judgment is a real problem.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. You've
0: you've said you've said it right. So, like the exercising of the muscle, as I'm listening to you, it's like yoga. When if you have a good yoga teacher, they will not force you into any pose immediately. They all say that it is a journey you don't have to it's not about the destination of getting into the pose it's about working at it slowly slowly millimeter by millimeter every day for years that's what the that's what yoga is about is a journey so for me here it's the same thing it's the journey and it's in 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 essence it's a, a silent inner journey of finding oneself finding one's peace finding one's soul And it's all of these things are found as a reflection of the voiceless, whether it's the voiceless lost Mm. histories in our architectural heritage or it's the voiceless animals. The animals, especially the captive wildlife, can teach us so much, so much that people have no idea. They just look at them and they judge them on the optics. Mm. right? So it's an instant like social media judgment and you walk away from it and you've taken Mm -hmm. nothing back that's been of any value. There's a, there's a slowness that we need to revive, that things take mm. time to be understood. And I think that in our rush to be modern and contemporary and fast and, you know, reduce the sentences and get better with Twitter and start using emojis and hyphenate and reduce everything <laughs> to, you know, what's what's happened is that we've lost the beauty of handwritten notes and the slowness of, of how you can express that emotion. So, slowness is I believe something that will become a really precious commodity in terms of a value that needs to be revived
1: it I can't tell you how much it gets to me. It's like a big trigger when I receive abbreviated text messages. It's like, mm. oh my God, how much time are you saving by really <laughs> by writing k instead of o k a y i mean like really. Anyway, since you've spoken about social media and you've spoken about noise and you've spoken about clutter, so social media, what it portrays, is perhaps a very glossy uh, feel, a glossy situation of moments and of life and of food and, you know, various things, of cars, you know, whatever of your interest. What is your take on this This? This? This social media, this animal, this big animal, and that robbing us of our uh, time to meditate, of our time to sit away from situations, of a time to slow down, of a time... Where again, looking at things and there's a feeling of so perhaps envy there's resentment there's jealousy because that person has that and how come I don't have it you know all of those things there's a lot of there's a rise of negative sentiments and emotions
0: the cocaine effect of social media that is a is a really frightening uh, addiction it is so I will look at this and in my mind, run through the same list that you've just um, shared. And I'll be amused because, you know, I work and operate at my own tempo, at my own rhythm. I interact and engage when I choose to, and I feel like it'll be of some benefit to me. So this the competition that social media has created to be the best handstander and the best cook and the best photographer and the best, it's really quite funny. I mean, it's, I think it's really, it, I find it really entertaining because are you, are you just sort of think that why are you guys fighting over some random strangers, other posts that has no impact on your life. you and you do the best that you can for yourself. 10 <laughs> 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 Suddenly, you to will <laughs> the whole photo shoot, that will and will do it from I mean, it's hilarious. So, it, it, what it is doing is, it's making us better graphic designers, I think, because now everybody has become an expert on putting text and font and, you know, a little emoji in a 2 by 4 space. Um, and there, of course, there are apps that help you with it. But I think the issue yes it is creating more insecurities amongst people it is Mm. perpetuating the competition which i think makes one more insecure because you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else and that comparison has to stop compare yourself to who you were a minute ago and that's really all that matters as far as i'm concerned but you have to stop and take stock of who you are and where you're at. I mean, the people who are addicted to social media are like that eight horse drawn chariot in vampire movies that goes crazy in the middle of the night because um, Dracula is flying in, you know, uh, through the forest to come and catch the princess. So you can't go through life like a hysterical eight horse drawn chariot. And Mm -hmm. until you don't stop and like breathe, and um, listen to yourself and listen to your own needs and desires if you constantly are in reflection then that's bound to be um, psychosis inducing and suicidal so it's because our youth, like our youngsters our teenagers are I think suffering the most You know, I certainly am from a different generation so my foundation was built on actual games outside before the video games got created so yeah. People like us have a really, I, I'm not sure about you, but certainly people like me and my friends have a different relationship to the earth and to human interrelationships and friendships. Are, um, how we deal with our parents and grandparents and our history is very different to a teenager yeah. today who yeah. is guided primarily by um, uh, what the Joneses will think next door and mm-hmm. his uh, friends and schoolmates and things but i think your quarantine may you know this is it's an interesting time where things are going to actually turn digital from not just being an entertainment space to get that alternative glossy lifestyle fabricated but it's going to force you to actually create content and mm-hmm. try and find ways to connect to meaningful things because now we're trapped we're all imprisoned in the internet, in the World Wide Web, where pehle to nobody would use the library. You know, people are so lazy. The kids today are so lazy. They don't want to do any research. Sir, Ye me this. Sir, If you Google, you'll get a answer. If you do Google Google, then you'll have hmm. But everybody wants that quick fix, right? They want that instant result. They want instant gratification. Now, they're going to have to go deeper into the vast body of work that really exists out there, beyond just its surface optical dopamine effect so sure. i think the digital post-pandemic future for all of us whether i start looking at virtual reality tours of these spaces or we start creating uh, video games that are more about empathy with uh, animals and talking about animal rights i think that the cities will be allowed to breathe better because they've become really overrun and as i said earlier toxic environments mm. um I think it's a, it's a very interesting time for us to be here because I feel social media is going to take a turn uh, for the better.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's hopeful too. Uh, good to know, good to know.
0: <laughs> I think so. You know, Sadia, I'll give you an example. We have a few minutes. Um, so when I started the editor live chats on Instagram, now Instagram we created for editors even though I've been doing this for eight years, I created the account last August, August 2019. And okay. you know, Instagram is all about optics and visuals, and it's not really claiming to be much more than that. And then Facebook is just a matter of sharing all sorts of rubbish, fake news. And then this Twitter—if you've got any dilki badas to bring out in like hundred-level characters, you bring that. <laughs> you bring that dilki badas, any venom that you've got star, star, shared, you know, <laughs> hiding inside, you let it out. So I thought that with Instagram. My work is about the visuals. It's about these buildings, about architecture and you know the, the the animals and their magnificence let's see if we can push our boundaries a little bit sure. and it's taken on such an interesting course that when we started doing the live chats i really wanted to connect to my audience and say look this is what we're doing right so you did, did that phenomenal podcast with me but how many people really got to see that at this end of the world i mean all your viewers in uh, the uk and in europe got to see it but somehow work here if it's not connected to visuals sort of gets left behind a little bit
1: because sure, they, sure, you know they're, they're so
0: hungry for just bling and color and dramatic visuals and sun setting three times over the same mountains in the same instant so i thought let's try something and see if we can create meaning and put some content in here when i started Uh, quarantine it was just me talking about what we do why we do a lot of people have asked they see me with these boards and these maps and my topi and my ajrak and all these people sitting around doing drawings they're like what are you doing like who is this crazy man so I thought let (laughs) me start explaining to them the reason why I do pop up classrooms and the reason why we're looking at ancient maps and to understand a genetic lineage and genetic heritage that we all share from the Baltics to Mongolia down to Tata through the river indus Achha, wo bad so mere paas shuru mein i used to have like 10-15 viewers i was very happy wow i had 20 people watching then one day i was so thrilled that i had 40 people but from 40 different locations mm. so it's not so much about the numbers but the fact that that particular day i had somebody um, watch the chat from melbourne someone from yeah. shanghai from singapore from dhaka Mumbai, Dubai, Sharjah, Lahore, Islamabad, uh, also Amman, London, Paris, New York, and Boston. So London. I was really blown away. I was like, wait a second. Here's a really interesting way to use this space. Sure. It's, yeah. it's bringing together a, and creating a new community, a new family.
1: And that's mm-hmm. where my hope
0: for social media got born that, you know, wait a second. I think there's more here than we are giving it due credit for. After all, it's mm-hmm. just a platform, it's just a tool. You have to decide whether, you know, you want to write poetry with your pen or you want to write, like, hateful things to share with somebody on their wall outside with that same pen. There,
1: you ruined so, it. So That's wo, right. Wo, yeah.
0: You know, wo pen is not a mistake, What do you pata?
1: Sure, bilkul, so, I completely agree.
0: You know, now we've got, the other day, Sana Ghyas uh, came online with me yes, and she was talking about that. Islamic geometry. Mm. uh 393 viewers i would never yeah. imagined that in my lifetime now mm. it's not 200 000 viewers but you know sure. i'm not making fun sure. of donald trump or the russians or any of that stuff there's no satire it's all content-based stuff so 393 people for me from just 40 is uh for me i think it's humbling and it's really nice it's nothing to be scoffed at and again, they're people from all over the world. So, now you tell us better, a better way to utilize this um, instant means of mass communication that you and I are in this room right now together. Imagine if you and I wanted to be in a room together right now. What a production that would be! Visa mm. low, ticket low, jahaz me mask low, po- test kara COVID ka, bo- uppersik sure. visor pe I mean, you know, I would. I would be re- re- such a headache. Then you get to London, then you get a cab or you get <laughs> the train. Here I have you like in my room, sitting comfortable with me. I have my own AC on And in your end, you have me in your room. Nice summer's day in London, you know. So this is quite Absolutely. wonderful. It is.
1: No, I, I, I love it when you drew out the positives of this because surely there's always an angle. And yes, as you just said, it. As long as it is being utilized intelligently and mindfully, yeah. it has its yeah. advantages for sure i I agree with you. Then uh, just coming towards the end, and you know it's always yeah. always so wonderful talking to you and since you you you're embedded and enmeshed into architecture and you understand the language of concrete uh, bricks and water, one building, one structure that has completely bowled you over I mean rendered this is very,
0: this is yeah this is really unfair <laughs>
1: <laughs> why because it's one structure
0: <laughs> I know this is for someone like me who's so greedy about uh, owning all of my history and uh, uh, every every building is so sacred and uh, emotionally charged for you to ask me to pick one building of the others <laughs> I will hurt all the other building's emotions and they'll be so angry with me. or uh, Hame so it's it's a apart from being a very cruel <laughs> cruel question. I'll tell you why I struggle with it. That, you know, the role that context plays, right? So it's very difficult for me to compare the monastery at Takht with Bibi Jivandi's tomb in Multan, or to Mohanjadaro, um, or to Mehergarh, or to the Jain temples in uh, Thar and Nagarparkar, or, you know, to Noor Palace. Not Noor Palace, even my favorite is Sadiggar of all the palaces. So, how would I pick one over the other they They all have these incredibly pathos rich stories of uh, being built brick by brick and then being used and then being forgotten and then now you know being worn down by the weather and governance and all of that. so pick how good criteria How do I pick one over the other i mean
1: no but but you know through your answer, I completely understand because that that tells me. Again, coming from the heart of an empath, how loyal uh, you are to them, to these voiceless creatures. And how beautiful is that?
0: I mean, they make me who I am, Sadia. How can I pick one of the other? I am bits of all of them, sure. right? From the foundation, pillar stone of Mohenjo-Daro to the colonial buildings of Karachi, which are the most modern. They're all part of my blood. They're part of your blood, right? They're part of our genetic makeup. How do you pick one chromosome out of it and say, Yeah. they're all part of that same ecosystem that flows through our veins. Lovely,
1: beautiful, beautiful. What, what a way, what a way of rounding this all up. Zen, thank you, thank you so very much. It's, it was wonderful talking to you,
0: thank you. Thank you, Thank you. so nice to talk to you as always, Sadia. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It's been such a pleasure and really, really, I'm so grateful, thank you so much for giving me this much time and importance, it really means a lot.
1: Thank you, Zen, and you take care.
0: Thank you, hafiz.